Welcome to Spaghetti Launchers, a world-building podcast where we throw spaghetti at the wall and it's up to you what sticks. Each episode, we go in-depth on an element of fictional worlds, breaking it down and developing unique examples live on the fly to give you ideas you can copy, steal, or be inspired by. Whether you're a writer, a GM, or an all-around nerd goblin, super smart gremlin, just looking to indulge your imagination, we've got you covered. I'm Kyle. I am Ethan. And in this episode, we will be discussing soul bound weapons sentient weapons yeah weapons that contain people's souls in them distinguishing from weapons that are just like intelligent by their own right yeah in our last episode we uh, we were talking about uh the master apprentice system and we were talking about uh, like what if your weapon was your master yeah and so then we 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 really kind of like this idea wanted to dive further into having these there was a nightly order we came up with where they had like a thousand of these weapons and Just they needed a series of them that were all left over from when something the old bbeg had killed their previous members yeah so we're, we just, just want to take that as a jumping off point for what happens if you have a bunch of weapons that are and contain people's souls so that there's a sentience there's a communication probably telepathically with yep. the, the wielder we could do it where there's not where they're not telepathic where they are just speaking aloud um, but that just creates chaos in so many other ways i think we're focusing mostly on telepathic at the moment yeah at the moment so uh but i think i think some boundaries are good like telepathic i think the idea that they are they are bound to the souls of very powerful warriors i think that's kind of important to the mythology of it yeah, I think yeah, because it's if you want to do like the the souls of important people are bound to items of importance, that's cool too. That's very cool. But I, I think yeah, I think if we keep it as these are warriors, the warrior class of this society are bound to weapons. Yes, yeah. that's who you associate with weapons. You're yeah. not going to have like a random baker uh, tied to a, a great axe. That would be kind of strange. That's a that poor baker. Um, <laughs> but that's hilarious. There's so much opportunity for a fantasy comedy there. But anyway, um, hey, that's, that does sound like a Terry Pratchett character. Yeah, it is, really does. Is just a, a like a baker who's who is in the yeah. the soul of a sword or something. Yeah. And all yeah. he wants to do is like, please, can you just use me to cut dough and not people in <laughs> half, please? He's like, um, that was a bakery. Go back, go back, go back, go back. It's a bakery. Right, it's a yeah. bakery. <laughs> I think the other thing that's kind of important here, and again, just for the mythology and storytelling purposes of it. Uh If all they can do is talk to you, that's interesting, but it's not... It's not enough. It's not enough. Like, I am leaning very much towards, you know, in D&D or in any other trope, anytime there is a magical sword, the sword or weapon possesses other powers. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I was thinking in the, like, it imbues you with extra power, so you're more powerful. Yeah, or it does something to you, or it can do something Because it needs to incentivize you to also cooperate and if you're a warrior or you're trying to fight you would want more power to do that so if the weapon can give you that power then you'll do what you'll you will cut deals with the weapon assuming the weapon's goals are not aligned with your own yeah and i and i like that it's more concrete negotiation because otherwise you just end up in this realm of like the mcu with mjolnir where it like it has its own personality but it's not really a, a you're not going back and forth with it right like it kind of removes that dialogue from yeah if if it's just a cool that's just a cool weapon that's just a cool weapon that you can like it bonds to you and fine but like this is this i like because i think i like the the concept of debate i like that you have to form a deal and i like that you are there to help the soul accomplish a task now what do we okay in this world let's let's keep it within the context of there's a nightly order yeah what do the souls want 
What is their goal? My instinct is to say probably revenge on the thing that they couldn't beat. So I'm sticking with the idea to start off of the idea that we had laid out, which is this is the perfect excuse for a TPK where you've got a five, you know, like just start off with small number, five people, five party members. They go, they're facing Ratadandron, the dark one. Okay. And Ratadandron kills them. And then Ted, the party wizard, does some magic finger wagging right at the very end before they all die and binds their souls all to their weapons. Yeah. Right. And so they want revenge on Ratadandron, right? Very okay. much in the in the in the spirit of the crow, I am I have been brought back to finish my task. Yeah. That is the first thing that comes to my mind as the easiest way to get this done. You could change it, but that's the easiest. Yeah, I think that one is I think that one is super easy. I don't think that there's much more. I think that's just, no, I, I think, think that's, that's just it. That comes out like that. That's the spaghetti you buy at a grocery store where it's just like a, like at the the hot food bar, which is, it's already ready for you. You just grab it and take it home yeah. and go. You're good to go. Yeah. I, I like the it's idea. It's never going to be great. It can be really good and really satisfying. Yeah. But you're never going to be like, oh, remember, uh, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think as a, if you did like a D&D campaign where everybody had like two characters basically of themselves and their weapon, I think that is fucking dope. I think yeah, that's incredible. That'd be a blast. But yeah, um, from like a world building perspective, it's quite limited. No. Now, like when you were saying that, I was thinking about they want revenge and maybe it's that because if it's an alien order and say every knight in the, like they're all old knights, every, like every weapon is possessed by the knight uh, that a, a former knight who died. Right. Of that same order. Oh, so instead of dying, they just there is that is their ritual is they get well. I was gonna I was saying I was saying I was gonna say that they die in combat and mm. they like in the like after a battle, for instance, they collect all the souls of their fallen comrades and then put them back into weapons and then use those weapons to go kill whoever killed them. But they don't know specifically who it was. They just know it was somebody in that army. Now, now they all go. They go to war against that army until until each of those souls just finds the guy who they need to kill. Oh, interesting. Because if, if 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 it's just a nameless soldier, and maybe the, the weapon you mean the person that they're trying to kill that that upon whom they are enacting their their yes. righteous vengeance. Yes. Okay. They are just like that is just an unknown pawn in this soldier. Unless they made eye like you know eye contact, saw them, like dueled them a little bit on the battlefield. In which case, the They're weapon like, oh, might recognize them. They might recognize them, but they might not know their name. They might just be, oh, it's that guy, and it mm. is Cyrax, but you didn't know, like, you just know the face. So it's you as a knight need to go find this person somehow. It's like Memento, but in the fantasy world. But, like, instead of John G., it's you just have a face. Sure. I have only seen Memento once, and I do not remember the plot that well. You should change that. It's a good movie. It's, it's just, a great I, movie. Yeah, I just don't want to see it again. I'll, go see, I'll see it after I see The Fifth Element. How's that sound? Gonna be a great afternoon when you come over. <laughs> if you ever make that happen, great afternoon. Um. Anyway, so I don't know. There's much more on that. On I that dig, version, I dig that. Um. I think. I dig that. I think that could be very cool. That's a good. That's a good way. That's also kind of fucked up, and that's also like I like you yeah. know like the idea of, of the. Not gonna do like a whole the knightly idea. order that is so devoted, almost like a thing, speaking of Christopher Nolan, right? Like the League of Assassins or the League of Shadows, right? Mm -hmm. They are so devoted to justice that they will do anything. No, they're so devoted to revenge. 
They are so devoted to whatever cause they claim to it's be. It's all about vengeance. It's all about they, vengeance. They're just a petty act. Like, they're an Emmy order they're that petty. only exists to perpetuate the vengeance that they are stuck in. So it's, they don't even know what their initial mission was. Now they just know it's to fulfill the, it's to free the souls of these knights. But it's them. They just have to keep, it's the endless cycle of violence and their vengeance causes. And they like, instead of just letting those knights die, they, every time a knight dies, they grab their soul and put it back into the system. That's so it's not like bad. They're creating this cycle and everyone's like bought into it. Nobody, nobody within the knightly order is like, this is crazy, right? Like, yeah. what are we doing? We are just making this a problem. This yeah. is self-inflicted. Yeah. That's and then somebody on the outside is looking in and like they like they've walled themselves off because like, we don't want criticism because their idea is so fundamentally broken. But they're all quite uh they're a cult. They have just they believe the only way to to like empower them like they need to free their brethren yeah. and their brethren are, tra- are trapped and the more that they try to free their brethren the more of their brethren die yeah how do you save i'm trying to think like how would you you could translate like victim complex into latin like complexicus <laughs> victimus <laughs> that's the name of the order <laughs> complexicus victimus uh i'm gonna f- hold on let's find out victima complex that's Vic- that's not an, Vic- all right so let's not, so not interesting the, the com the I, Put it in like uh, well, Armenian. Well, the the second option here is Finnish, um, okay. and you know that because my yeah. my campaign is very Finnish inspired. What is and it that word is urukompleski. Good, perfect. Done. And uh, the complex. Yeah, and that's I did not say it with the proper Finnish accent. I'm sure. Like, nope. Urukompleski. Uh, we apologize to Finland. Uh, you know I. Nope. I, we, nope. I'm, nope. I'm good. Nope. We apologize to Finland. Yeah. Officially, fine. we apologize to Finland. Um, Hi, Finland. How you doing? I love Finland. Finland's, I know, Finland's I know, fucking I know, dope. I know. I like that idea. I think that would be really fun as a faction in your world. Yeah. Right. As far as... Because here, what I'm sort of stuck on is the implication of being able to bind souls to mm-hmm. weapons. Mm-hmm. That's immortality. Which... I've got some noodles. Which brings me to so in star wars right if you figure out you know like yoda figured out how to become a force ghost qui-gon did obi-wan did anakin did right i think luke luke and leia did because they did at the end of rise of skywalker right at what point do you just start teaching everyone to become force ghosts and then you just have immortal jedi yeah right So I'm sort of thinking of it this way of like, if this is the sort of number one, there's a, this changes the idea of death, right? That's bowl of noodles. Number one, where you're just like, well, I am a Lord. I am terrified of death Voldemort style. Instead of dying, I'm going to pay Ratadandron the second to bind me to my crown when i die and live on forever Mm -hmm. until the crown is destroyed Uh so that's got some serious world building implications in and of itself yeah but i think from the weapons perspective i'm more stuck on the idea that they are either hereditary or royal artifacts that these are artifact level items okay where over time whoever's soul has been bound to them 
just continues on down the line and it has been yeah, passed. Okay, okay. like the valyrian steel swords yeah. right like you know dark okay. sister was D- was daemon's sword and it just got uh-huh. passed down line by line by line okay maybe somehow growing in power with each succession right. noodles pretty much every fantasy world has a fallen empire yeah let's start with the fallen empire let's go back to that empire the Very like pow- colville dead empires kind of yeah, thing? yeah yeah okay super powerful all-conquering warrior class yeah extraordinary cataclysm happens mm. fill in the blanks you fast forward and it was the cataclysm in in it stuck it somehow and no one really knows what happened but it took all like the the best warriors of this empire and put them into these weapons yeah. so now something you, happened yeah and so now you decide for yourself now you, okay. you jump forward a thousand years and in like a D campaign it's almost always that the the magical artifacts are from a, from a dead empire right except for now you also get the personality of that dead empire because you get those people mm-hmm. and this is the thing that like uh like if you play Ma- you've played mass effect 3 now mm-hmm. um we, we have our mass effect references you get a uh prothean mm-hmm. in the third game as a party member and he's fucking he's dope i loved him he's an asshole but he's so interesting oh, he was great. because because you think that the people of this long dead incredibly inspiring empire sophisticated were like the most civilized lovely people in the world and you're like oh no they're just another imperial no, asshole depressed nihilistic racist piece of shit yeah because they were imperial assholes they right. conquered the they conquered the, the entire universe right. and they were smug and they were shitty and you take that and you could do it a different way especially if it's these people are trapped in these weapons for a long time and yeah. they all have a different personality yeah. but one of the things is like Especially if they weren't all from the same empire, maybe there was like the mm. cataclysm happened during some war or conflict, and, and so it was you like had it was like the different be- people. It was the it, it was during a battle. Yeah, it, it was the epic battle between like the the best of the best, right? Of these like two the, empires, their equivalent of like the battle of the five armies. So maybe there are multiple people at play, multiple parties. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And so you, now you have the and for the simplicity's sake, probably like let's keep it at two. Yeah, um, but you could you could do five too as well. Sure, um, but. You today you have like the top generals and lieutenants and captains and all these like high ranking right. people within these two Hector versus Achilles. Yeah, it's Hector versus Achilles, and if you got them trapped into a into a weapon, and then if you, you have say two people in a party get that same weapon, uh, you, you have that conflict. And if like your world building, it's one thing that I always like is I love building the big empire because mm-hmm. it's it is interesting and it has all that complexity. It has a lot of historical analogs that are kind fun. of fun to draw off of. Yeah. And then, like, you get to kind of figure out what's their downfall. Right. And that can be really fun. And you get to do all that world building and have it be relevant, mm-hmm. not just be, like, background dressing for you. It's still – it is in the game because, guess what? So are its people a thousand years after because their souls are trapped in the weapons that you are finding. And you could position it in such a way that, let's say, you find – you could – it works – that idea works on multiple levels. And and by levels, I don't mean it has deeper meaning. I mean, in terms of whatever That's scale, so deep, whatever scale of a story you want to tell, it works. If you want to just have your standard four-person mage, warrior, cleric, rogue D&D party, fine. Right? It works. You find the, the cleric and the fighter. They each find it. The cleric finds a shield. Fighter finds a sword. And maybe they are from opposing sides. And yeah. then so suddenly maybe they are super powerful. One's like a Holy Avenger. The other's a Spellbreaker shield. But they refuse to work. Yeah. 
because they know that their bearers are friends with someone who bears one of the other side. Or, Maybe or, the villain then finds like their brother, their companion, and okay. they're like, oh, you should go work with that guy. And I'm like, no, that guy's trying to take over the world. I was like, I don't care. I want to go be with my brother again. Or they were, but if you try to help the other guy, it will actively hurt them. Ah, nice. So yeah, if, if you try cool. to use your, your shield to block, a, to like get in the way and like defend him, it, it will like repulse you and it will like use like a force and send you 10 feet away to yeah. keep him exposed because yeah. the, it, he doesn't it want won't help he doesn't want to help that guy yeah and like you can play with it however you want but i think you could also do um that say the enemy like there is an a group of enemy like if you take a make a group of enemy mercenaries or whatever <laughs> like the the enemy party and they have some counterparts as well and so you get to kind of watch like the weapons are connected and right. the weapons don't want you to fight they they want to, to like have a conversation right. and the weapons are forcing, reunited and, and they're forcing you to parlay mm -hmm. even if your personalities don't and then they they back out of the fight entirely and they say we, we're not fighting and then you have to like fist fight right because your weapons won't like will just they, they, they like won't move so you could so that's on a small scale yeah. just a party level but let's go big take that up Combine that idea with like these are hereditary. These have over time become hereditary line, hereditary artifacts, or yeah. these they are crown jewels, or they have become whatever. They are owned by by states now, not just individuals in a party. They are owned by actual states, and so this you know the state of the country of light and the land of darkness, whatever. Each have a weapon. The states themselves politically are in conflict but the weapons want to parlay because mm -hmm. they're friends right suddenly you're you're dealing with different dynamics here yeah. particularly if you get at that idea where like these weapons the use of these weapons is so so risky they're so powerful that it's sort of like a nuclear deterrent mm -hmm. almost yeah interesting well and i might have put a lot of a lot of, i think i put too many sauces in that one bowl yeah, I'm, I'm trying to parse them out. I, I think I might have to attempt that. I think I don't know that I see a whole lot more merit in the um, the communication like across like the the two different empires or whatever stuck yeah. in there. I think that might be done. I think the the phrasing nuclear deterrent is interesting because I guess then it gets to the question of like how powerful are having weapons that are these like soul bound. I hate the word soulbound because in like gaming that means a very different thing. What does um, it mean in gaming? It means that it's like it's stuck on your character. So huh. uh, like, I never knew that. Yeah, it's like a I think I think WoW coined it, but it's huh. like if you, so if you pick up an item, you can trade it unless you equip it, and then it's bound and it's soulbound. So it'll it'll say binds on equip, and then you equip it, and then it says soulbound. So you can't you can't get it off your character. That way you can't trade the best stuff. The more you know. Dun, dun, dun. But anyway, so um like how powerful are these weapons and a thought i had was because you were talking about final fantasy and about uh, off screen off screen yeah um and final fantasy like that's famed for those giant ass swords the buster the, sword the, yeah, the just, gun blade yeah just too big it's ridiculous. and i was like okay well, so cool <laughs> what if the weapon is the size of the power of the soul it's like the, it is a commensurate oh, that's cool so it's if if the soul of the warrior from Let's say it still says from that dead empire. Mm. It, if they were like a general, it's a really big sword. Yeah. But if it and if they were like pretty good, but they weren't that good, 
then it's like a, just a normal standard long sword. Yeah. yeah. Then it's, it, it, it doesn't have quite that. So then the scale uh-huh. of your weapon, when you walk in, I think we talked about the sharp blades from, um, sunlight Ar- or Star- stormlight archives stormlight. before. And like the cine- the cinematic moments they create of just these giant weapons that are like, holy shit, you have one of those. Right. Like, and these provide that, but then it's also, it's, oh shit, you have one. And it's, you pull out one of these soul blades or whatever. And it's, a long sword you're like holy shit and you pull one out and it's a fucking buster sword or whatever yeah. and it's the size of a truck and people right. are like wait oh my god but then and suddenly you're cutting through 30 people at once you're you're an anime hero yeah it, or you're sauron with a fucking yeah, uh, with, yeah. With, with this giant mace you know it's evocation you can get from the size of the weapon being, being proportionate now then the, my mind immediately goes to the story potential and I, world building as well of that's not you know, they, they were all deceived for another right. one was made. And right. it's like a small weapon, like a dagger, hmm. actually has the most powerful sword, soul of all. Hmm. And it was like the guy who actually brought everybody down. Like, it's the evil dagger. Yeah. It doesn't have to be evil. But, you know, something, something to that extent of just a really powerful dagger that's more powerful than that big buster sword. Yeah. And you challenge that guy to a duel. Not and knowing. Not, and he doesn't know. And you just stab him. And it breaks his sword because like, he tries to, yeah. to parry it. And you just cut through the sword like a like a knife through butter yeah. and then just kill him. And everyone's flabbergasted. And it's like this, you know, the slaying of the king. Yeah. You, because you can frame that however you want. And it becomes, and I think I've seen what, moments like this before where it's in media plenty of times of the surprise. Uh, like I came in and I am actually more powerful than you expected. Um I mean that that it is, a, that, happens that, that is it happened. I mean that's Arya Stark killing the the Night King. Yeah, kind of came out of nowhere, literally and figuratively. I mean, it's a Viper and the Mountain was pretty good for that. Yeah, Viper I feel and like Bane with Batman and Dark Knight. No, that was pretty. It, I was thinking actually more in early Dragon Ball Z, Vegeta when he was tiny. Uh-huh. You know, and then next to Nappa, who was like eight feet tall, and yeah. he was terrified. Vegeta, and everything, who was like four years. That's how you use but, it. But um, yeah, I do. I like that. I mean, and that builds in the kind of the underdog hero again, which is always good. They don't have the underdog. Though. It doesn't have to be a hero. No, but it's the the it's that well known subversion of tropes, which has become a trope now. In and of yeah, itself, yeah, is my point. Yeah, but if it's it, what you, and I, I it's I, I have ideas flowing around my my head of like times I've seen this kind of thing. So I'm just I'm going to set that aside. It's not the fully original content. Shut up. That if you took... The, Kyle's having an Ethan moment, folks. A little just bit. too many ideas and too. only one mouth. <laughs> no, n- not enough recollection. But <laughs> if, if, so, subverting the subverting of the subverting of the trope or whatever. That you think it's an underdog. You yeah. think it's that, like a good guy and he does it. And then it's like he was never acting an underdog. He was... Nor was he ever actually good. Yeah. He, like, he was fully just trying to uh, undermine the system and make people start to doubt these people with their weapons and he just starts w- ripping through and destroying all of these powerful weapons because he wants to like undo the system or something like that yeah. for like his own nefarious purposes not because like you know down with the man or whatever i'm into that i'm not <laughs> kyle's talked himself out of it's my idea, idea and i'm not even that into it because I, I, I don't think but it's it, that fun no but it makes me it makes me wonder right like so i want to keep the focus here on I, I like what you said about like kind of the strength of the character of the of the of the spirit possessing the weapon determines its strength yeah bring let's get back to the purpose right because what, what do they want right there's not i mean i can imagine sort of like a palpatine figure that is that 
or a Voldemort figure that is that obsessed with himself or that scared of death that they just want eternal life that would do this. Mm -hmm. Why else would someone do this outside of vengeance? Why would someone be willingly bound? Patriotism. They are trying to uphold the legacy of their kingdom or whatever. And they believe that if they do this, they give the next generation of defenders of this kingdom more potential, more power. And I think specifically this works in a context where they're under fire. Hmm. So say it's a kingdom that is on the edge of an empire that empire is trying to push in. And, and they're like the last major kingdom that hasn't been conquered. Hmm. And so you have this like, you know, look at Russia versus Ukraine right now of like the amount of patriotism that you create by being the invader. And like, how many people come home? How many people, what people, what people are willing to do in that scenario to defend? So then yeah. pe knights are in, are in, you know, are out there fighting and they die and they, they have this magic and they all embrace it and they all want to do it. And this is a, a ongoing attempt conquest. And there might be lulls where you have peace for 15 years, but they all know they're coming back and it's this legacy. And now it's just hatred of we will not fall. Yeah, like it's not about we 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 don't need it's to not kill about them. Vengeance, it's about we we need to protect this, and, I, we, and we need to protect our families, like generations. So then you like you might not be the one in possession of it, but you know your grandfather's soul is in a weapon that somewhere that well you know who you know who has it, hmm. and so you're like oh like how's grandpa doing? Because maybe mm -hmm. it works well like grandpa's soul works well with this guy. Yeah, with we'll call him Alexei because I'm on Ukraine at this moment. Uh, Alexi works well with your grandpa, so you let him keep it, and then you just go hang out with Alexi and like be like, like, oh, oh hey, grandpa, yeah. what are you up? You know, and like talk to him and kind of get that experience. So then it's they get to watch the generation shift yeah. and family change because they're defending. I could see that working well in two circumstances. One, particularly if the magic, like we've been sort of assuming, the magic ritual gave these sort you know they made them unbreakable or something right like they added some extra physical benefit beyond just the retaining of knowledge and decades of experience to be passed on to another generation i think it also would be a good way to fortify a small force right like it's like yeah. i cannot die i cannot leave my brothers in arms behind yeah and maybe it's not even something that was done to them by a third party but maybe there's something about that world where like the strength of their conviction refused to die i don't understand what you're saying so we've been talking about it in terms of like oh the wizard oh a wizard did it right like a wizard physically taking their soul and bonding it to the weapon right mm -hmm. i'm saying it's more just sheer stubbornness that the soul refuses to die. So then it gets trapped? Yeah. I can see it. I think how they get bound isn't as interesting to me. Yeah. Because I think that works. I think the wizard works. I think whatever you want to do works. I think you can, you can hand wave it a bit. Hmm. Well, you can't, I guess, really. You need to come up with, with the... You need a reason, you but the a, reason doesn't matter. Well, and Make well, it fit to the story. I think, yeah, you need a reason why there aren't a ton more, and you need a reason why it right. happens at all. Like, And then I think yeah. I think you're good at, from there. Like, the or, by reason, I mean, how. The how it happens, I think you need that, right. but you don't need to go much further out. Yeah. I'm not super interested in the how. I think 
I think the strength of convictions is a good idea. And I think it, like, it, it goes with what I was saying about the patriotism mm-hmm. of maybe in the patriotism and like the defender thing, they don't, they don't know the magic. It's just that when they die, they're, that is just happening. And, right. and they don't understand it either. Right. And they're like, wait, what the fuck? And the empire doesn't understand no. it. Well, and they're like, only discovering it because they're so poor that they're having to like go throughout the battlefield and collect used swords. Yeah, that's how they discover it. And they discover, yeah. wait, there's like something in here. What the fuck? Right. And, they and, hear a voice. And it's like you, you get to get that frustration from because you, you cut to like the the emperor being so pissed off. Why can't they win? Like, why can't they have these weapons that, yeah. that these dumbass people at the edge of the world have? And it's like, oh, because it's none of your soldiers give a shit about right. the, about the cause. They have no love for you or and their country or their anything. convictions don't exist versus yeah. the strength of the convictions of these defenders is working. Yeah. And yeah, I think it works well. Yeah. And I, that might be the end of that bowl. I think so. Because, um, yeah, like looking for what, okay, let's take away patriotism, defender. What what other reasons do we have? Ego. Oh. Ego, fear, so fear of death, okay. I want patriotism, to st- ego. I, I want to go on ego. Okay, so we talked about Achilles a lot in this uh in this month season um so far and we talked about the achilles versus hector this like the notion of the great warrior you want those weapons but every one of those guys has an ego the size of a mountain so then it becomes everybody wants these weapons but nobody can actually really use them because these guys are so egotistical they're both so egotistical yeah and throw any like any of them like so maybe there's there's a hierarchy. So it's like Achilles' sword. Nobody has ever, ever been able to get him to shut the fuck up and cooperate because he doesn't think anybody's worth him. And then you have lower level ones that do cooperate with some people. We're like, okay, this guy's a very good warrior. I, re- I-, I will respect him. Their egos right. are more tamed. Right. But it's like nobody... Both putting effort in. They're both trying. Like yeah. they res- There's a mutual respect. Yeah. And so there's... But, but then you get to those that upper echelons of like the best warriors in your world, which one also creates a good moments for history building of yeah. this is such an epic warrior its soul is so insufferably egotistical because he single-handedly saved the day in 15 battles or something right and then you get to have the story of somebody trying to tame it it is it is your quest to go go tame this goddamn sword i want this yeah. to be on the side of, of our king and it will not cooperate you paladin of whomever go it's figure all it out you're the only one that's left and maybe maybe someone else took all the other one maybe someone else destroyed it it doesn't matter but there's maybe there's just one left and you or not even that it's like but this is in, in the, the, the bring back the nuclear deterrent idea yeah. of like this is the best deterrent against war oh, is we if, if, yeah. if, if whoever conquers that whoever gets that sword on their fucking side nobody's gonna fuck with them anymore right. because now you, they have you a, can stop this war because now they have a soldier that's worth Fifty thousand soldiers because yeah. he's that good. I got it. I that see what that you're kind saying. of that's, thing. That's pretty legit. So it's the power dynamic. It, it, it's what it provides in a defense and an like also an attack. But it and then it is one of those. It is something where I it, what we're, what you're talking about is now reminding me of spoiler alert for the D and D movie that came out last year. Um, I thought what they did with making the sorcerer Simon have to basically have to prove himself to attune to the helmet. Yeah, I thought that was a great idea and a mechanic that should be incorporated into the game, especially if it's a sentient item. Yeah, 
like we're just spending what does it take a short rest to a tune yeah it's it's like it's not oh long. i just hang out with this thing for 10 minutes and i get it from a game mechanic like it's not if fun you just want to like, move on you can yeah. do that but i would like to see that added as an optional rule yeah i think it works really well for something that's as powerful as what we're talking about here yeah. like if it's a weapon in particular weapon, like a holy avenger level yeah if it's truly like a game-changing weapon you should have to prove that you are worthy of it you know the sword in the stone situation right can you you know here's a test can you do this yeah i think that a critical role in the vestiges of divergence right they all required you all had to you had to go through some sort of yeah proving ground well and you have to do something to unlock more of its power right and and you have to do another thing to unlock more of its power and that, right. that kind of thing so maybe it's uh achilles is bored in his weapon mm-hmm. and and he, he's still egotistical and it's like i'm not like you're not really worth my time but like i'm bored and sure just bring me out i'll go for i'll go kill some guys he just unlocks like a little bit of his power but yeah, yeah. you can use me but i just kind of am using you because i'm bored right then he, like he'll just kind of direct you to do shit and it's like you're not doing anything i'm doing the work right and then maybe he, you're useless you're and nothing. then maybe if you don't prove yourself in that situation he just drops to the ground and just says i'm done with you yeah next and just shouts and stays like, there and like mjolnir you have to prove your worth and won't get picked up again except for it's more if you go up to him and you have to talk to him and be yeah. like achilles will you come and he's like how many push-ups can you do or like you know some some petty <laughs> shit where he's he will not mjolnir where, where it's like Jason mysterious <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's absolutely jason Manzuka. um but where it's not like mjolnir where it's this like unknowing like who's worthy right it's it's, it's an, pretty clear. And it, it's just an asshole who doesn't want to, like, who is, or it, it's a guy with such a big ego that y- you need to earn his respect in some weird back ass way, yeah. like very machismo or something. And, yeah. and like, wizards can't fuck with it. You know, well, pe- and- people try to, like, we will we will break the magic of this thing. And, and he's just like, nah, that's locked by some other guy. That's not even me. Right. Like, I want to go back to who owns the swords. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting if they're owned specifically by the state themselves and not by the individuals. And that somehow the state can control if you can use them or not. So sort it's of not, like the Chinese government saying that they will pick the new Dalai Lama. Yeah, kind of like that. Except remove the religious significance of it. Uh, you don't have to. True. If, if these are religiously important, shit, I mean, you could also take that and you could extrapolate that idea and apply it to religion and just say sure. that the the holy one right that the the prophet of this religion is is soul bound to a book or something or to like an item yeah and it's now like, it's being um, controlled by the government who's claiming this is what the prophet i, I was gonna name a real life prophet and was like nope don't do that don't, um <laughs> The prophet of this you religion. Get back in fantasy land. <laughs> I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. <laughs> prophet Elminster uh, is like, oh, <laughs> this is this is what, what what should be said, and the government says, okay, he said another thing entirely, uh, because they control it. Yeah, and they just use that to their advantage, and they've somehow gotten away with it, much like the Chinese picking the Dalai Lama. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that's a very interesting dynamic. I like where you could go with that of I'm leaning into the religious aspect of it because it reminds me of the Dark Brotherhood side quest in Skyrim with the Mm -hmm. Night Mother and the Speaker. 
Okay. In you know, you remember in that side quest, there is the Night Mother, who is the 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 goddess of the this group of assassins, but only the speaker can oh, hear them. Yeah, so and speak for the Night Mother. Yeah, no one else can hear them. But there has not been a speaker for a very long time, and then of course your character ends up being the speaker, mm-hmm. which. The number of titles that you hold at the end of Skyrim, if you, it was the it's same, th- insane. It was the same thing in uh, Oblivion too, and they had the, they had the coolest uh, title for the the head of the thieves guild was called the Gray Fox, and you got a hood that was like this Gray Fox yeah. hood thing, and uh, you would, I think there was like a quest for like another guild where you had to take down the Gray Fox. I, I was like, it. I'm already the Gray Fox. Sorry, I, me. Like I, yeah, he's taken down. I got rid of him. Yes. wink like yeah. it's me and uh yeah I, the elder scrolls games love to have all these factions you can be a part of all of them yeah. simultaneously and you're like well i'm the head of every fucking faction in the world i'm the single most pa- like i'm the head of the fighters guild and the mages guild are you guys sure this makes sense yeah. like you anybody anybody have like an institutional knowledge issue or talk about vertical like, integration yeah but uh, uh, and horizontal integration yeah that too um but like this seems like a problem they're like no no, no we're good it's fine I do wish that there had been more. Like there was only one. It was just the Stormcloaks or the Empire. Like you and they both sucked, and they were both awful. Um, anyway, but I do. Mm. That could make for a very interest. That could make for a very interesting story, where you've got this state-owned thing, and again, lean into the nuclear deterrent side. It's discovered as you are coming up on war that whoever has claiming to have been the speaker this whole time is not is lying because they cannot get they cannot attune to the weapon they cannot engage with it properly oh that's interesting and then suddenly they're exposed and so they realize as they're heading into conflict state level conflict that the entire empire has been built on lies that's cool all right i want to take it a different direction and say say it's still a weapon that someone's lying about it being attuned to but it's like a general or something Mm -hmm. and the weapon is supposed to be a like the soul of an of an old like the greatest general of all time or something Mm -hmm. and this guy has it he can't attune to it and he's not very good at like he doesn't have confidence in his ability as a general and he's doing everything to avoid war because he knows he's he's lying like it take imposter syndrome and make it real be like he's actually like kind of an imposter and he's not doing it like at this point he's just like He's trapped, and he's like, "I'm like, he's trying as hard as he can to, to avoid war. Like, we we cannot go to war." And he starts talking right. everybody out of war because they're all saying, "Oh, it'll be no problem. You just pick up the pick up the hammer and go do your thing. You'll be great." Yeah, like, oh well, we have we have the spirit of the gray fox of the gray fox, the best the best warlord in the history of, of the universe through you. So we'll be okay. And then you are he's afraid to tell the truth because he knows it'll mean he's executed. And he's like, "Well, if I could just avoid war." And then war breaks out, and he's like, "I've been lying, you fool!" What a fools. great excuse for pacifism, though. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, it's a good excuse, but but then pacifism through incompetence. I, I, and and that reminds me because I heard I keep talking about Todd Kenrick because he's great, but he talks about wanting to play an evil oath of redemption paladin. <laughs> That's a great idea for it. Uh-huh. Is like someone who's been lying, who's a pacifist only because they've been lying the whole time, uh-huh. and they actually suck at fighting. Yeah. Well, and. I, to to finish out the story of this guy, I, I I want him to be redeemed a little bit in that the war breaks out and he's like, I was lying, you dumbasses. And like, he's like, I can't do this and resigns. And it's like, I'm not leading us to death because that's what's going to happen. And it's like, broker a piece if you want. 
it's so, on you. Yeah, this is on you now. I'm not I'm not taking the heat for it. And then turns out somebody in the army could actually attune the yeah. weapon and they're like, okay, we are, and they actually do win the war. Or yeah, his like, squire or someone. Yeah, somebody who was actually worthy, but then you get that interpersonal drama of like he, he like he was just panicking all the time and his squire was clearly had all this potential, but he yeah. was so like neurotic and like uh narcissistic about this endeavor being like oh my god oh my god oh my god, oh my god i've got to bring us all down and, and the squire is like yeah dude i Have i was talking i was talking to the sword the other day and he's like he's no like, you weren't no no no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like he just ignores it entirely like like it's he, kenneth but but you know when you work with somebody who's like just like a complete arrogant asshole and you suggest a clearly good idea an idea that everybody else agrees with but that person just does not listen mm-hmm. like doesn't even hear the idea just like no 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 wouldn't work wouldn't work and you're like why wouldn't it work wouldn't work just wouldn't okay uh it's that guy just we, we everybody everybody has that guy you mm-hmm. get to just put him in it as a villain in a campaign or in a book or in a what ever so yeah anyway end of that bowl i think yeah i i got i got i got nothing all right well uh i think we're probably out of noodles on this one right now i'm stuck because i'm just barreling through us not asking the question what's stuck for you i'm stuck on this idea of like really the impact of magical weapons on geopolitics yeah it does not really get addressed in rpgs ttrpgs things things a lot yeah right it's only ever the big the big arms right which makes sense because like everyone's thinking nuclear deterrent but think about how much we are in a race that like arms races are not just about nuclear weapons. They are about other types of weapons too. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, yeah. this doesn't like, it's a layer that I think is unexplored sufficiently. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what stuck for me. Okay. Since no one asked what stuck for you. <laughs> no one had the opportunity to ask. <laughs> you rolled right through. <laughs> uh, for Kool-Aid, me. Man. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I think it was probably I like the uh, Achilles, like the egotistical weapons. Yeah, being a dick. Well, I like the hierarchy of the ego of the ego of the weapons and the characters that can kind of come out of that. Of like, as you try and climb the ladder, and you you have to, you have to tame different egos. That's I cool. think that's kind of fun. Um, and and I also like the the simplistic and satisfying like defenders of the last kingdom who all like it's the weapons are all just doing it because of the the legacy the 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 patriotism the mm-hmm. love of their families and trying to keep them safe over the generations i think both mm-hmm. of those ideas really stick out to me yeah. But, yeah also why also the inevitability of immortal jedi <laughs> that's just logically that's what would happen jedi have really been a, a big focal point of this uh the season so far because well of course they are yeah, yeah, pretty great. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what stuck for us. Let us know what stuck for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Good. <laughs>